Welcome to the Get Healthier Podcast with Rena Jadhav, who's on a quest to uncover breakthroughs and cures in living longer, healthier, and happier. Genetic testing, stem cells, rattling, talking to Silicon Valley geniuses and the best doctors in the world about the hottest products and programs to make you live an amazingly joyful life. Are you ready? Now, here's your host, Rena. Hi, everyone. It's Rena Jadav, the founder and CEO of Hub Food Camps. And today we are doing the Masterclass on Emotional Healing, a seven-part series to help you get back into great emotional health. And here with me is Jessica Nidefer. Hi, Jessica. Welcome. Hi, Rena. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's get started. So step one in the seven-part series is the practice of being non-attached. Let's talk about that. What does it mean to be non-attached? So for me, there's a difference between detachment and being non-attached. When I detach from something, I'm totally taking myself away from the situation, the experience, and not processing the emotions or the feelings that are coming up with it. When I'm practicing being non-attached to something or someone or whatever someone might be sharing with me or about me, I am stepping into the space of the observer and really taking a look at myself and how I'm feeling in that situation. If I'm feeling uncomfortable, then I'm being asked energetically to look within and say, okay, why might I be taking this personally? What's coming up for me instead of looking outside of me to see what, my, what that person is dealing with? So basically it's looking within, coming inside and feeling that support from yourself and understanding that that person might be working through something at that moment. And that's so easy to do when you're distanced from the incident, but when you're in it, when you're in the moment, it's so hard to remember that, right? It's so hard to remember that, um, that perhaps this person isn't saying these things to hurt me. Maybe there's something else that's going on in their life that's making them react. And for me personally, meditation has been a huge, huge, a change in my being able to separate myself from the activity, the the conversation, and myself. And so I think you're going to show us an exercise, am I right, on how we can do this? Yes, that's All correct. right, let's get started. Let's do the exercise. Okay, so when I'm being non-attached in a situation or an experience, I go into what I call the observer mode. And the observer is simply that. I go into a space outside of myself. So I'm sitting here having a conversation with you right now. And at the same time, I'm seeing another version of me. Maybe I'm wearing the same clothes I'm wearing now, but I step outside of myself and then I watch myself as I am having the interaction, as I'm in the experience. So as I'm doing that, I go into a, a slightly meditative state as I am observing the feelings coming up within me. And then observing the other person also to see what their energy is or how they might be feeling and understanding as I'm standing outside of myself watching the interaction that we don't have to be in the feelings in our body at that moment. So it's really a, a simple meditation of visualizing yourself outside of your body as you're talking to someone. So all of us can imagine what we might look like if we were floating outside of our body, right? <laughs> you might not be able to see clearly sometimes in our meditations, but we can always imagine what it would look like to be outside looking in. 
So that's what I do when I'm in an experience that's not feeling very comfortable for me. I step outside and I watch, I observe, because the observer only observes. The observer is not there to judge, it's not there to criticize, it's simply there to observe and to be still. So that's where I go. Wonderful. Any specific tips on how someone can learn to separate themselves? I know for, for someone like yourself and for me, because we've been doing it for so long, it's second nature. Any specific tips on how to, make, to do it that first time? So for me, even in the beginning when I was practicing this, it was always easy for me to imagine. So a lot of times people will say, well, I want to see clearly. I want to see what's happening here clearly. But sometimes we're not always able to see in our mind's eye. We're not there yet because we're not meditating as often or we're not used to being in that space. So I like to imagine. I like to encourage people just to imagine because we all have imaginations. We're all um, adept at going into a dream time space. Um, sometimes even when we're talking to people, right? We kind of space out sometimes. So maybe in that spaced out mode that you might go into when you're actually spacing someone out, trade that for being in the observer mode and imagining what that would feel like going into that observer mode. Mm. Love that. Step two is a grounding exercise. What's grounding? Why do we need it? So for me, being grounded is one of the most important parts of any experience. We are not grounded into this physical space and time, meaning I don't feel my feet flat on the ground and I am all up in my head with all the thoughts and feelings coming through in the experience. I'm not paying attention to any messages that my physical body might be giving me in the experience. So when I talk about being grounded, I actually picture, I imagine in my mind, a lot of, I work with a lot of imagination and visualization. I find it very powerful to give the mind a focal point to work with. So I actually imagine roots coming from the bottom of my feet and connecting me into the earth. And I feel them. Then I imagine what it would feel like to have those roots connecting me from the bottom of my feet into the earth and creating a foundation for me. And for me, that would be a grounding, feeling grounded, being present in the moment, being present in the experience. To what extent does grounding involve being barefoot outside in the park? Because I've heard, you know, a big part of grounding is actually connecting to Mother Earth. How important is that in your, in your opinion? It's super important and I do my best to, uh, we call it earthing and that'll actually be the sixth part of this series that we'll get into more detail then. Um, earthing is super important and when I imagine those roots, it is a way of connecting with the earth without actually putting my feet on the ground because we're not always able to do that when we're in a boardroom at a meeting. Absolutely. What do you think of these grounding mats that have come up for sale? I think, I, I think Deepak Chopra might be selling them too. What do you think of those? So for grounding mats, I don't really feel uh, things like that are necessary. Um, when we have this, this beautiful mind, right, with this beautiful brain that is capable of imagining and creating things, right? We create so many things in this world just from our thoughts and our ideas that come to us in, from the etheric, right? And if we imagine ourselves being grounded, it is, the mat is not doing anything more for us. It's simply a focal point. That's how I see it anyways. I see it as a focal point. Oh, I'm sitting on the grounding mat. Great, this is the time I'm being grounded. And that mat focuses me on being grounded. It's simply that. 
Wonderful. All right, let's get on to step three. And that's the, an acknowledgement exercise. What is an acknowledgement exercise? Why is that important in emotional healing? So when we're on our healing journey and we're in the process, in any process of healing, uh, we're looking at acknowledging ourselves first, right? Most human beings are looking outside of themselves most times for validation, for support, for someone just to tell us that everything is okay. When in fact, it would be more beneficial for us to look at ourselves and say, okay, I acknowledge you for what you're doing here and validating what we're feeling in the moment because there's not always someone there to do that for us. So acknowledging that there is a quote problem in the first place is the first step of letting something go. Mm, and we all have such a hard time with that, don't we? Yes. We, we, we live in a world where we're really focused outward not inward. And I think what you're saying is acknowledgement is a big part of going inward and recognizing this as opposed to what everything else out there is. Let's do our acknowledgement exercise. Great. So as I'm in the middle of an experience or I'm having a conversation with someone, it doesn't matter. I could be on my own or in the middle of something, um, talking with someone. It's a simple conversation I'm having in my head at the same time. And for people just starting out, you might want to start doing it in your private time first or in your private meditation in the mornings or in the evenings. Um, but I, what I like to do is sit quietly and just invite my mind to bring to my attention any feelings that are coming up within me. Listening to my body, am I feeling tired? Am I feeling sad? Am I feeling depressed? Am I feeling angry? And allowing whatever those emotions are to come up. And when something arrives in my mind, I usually see a picture in my head of a word that's connected to the feeling. And then I say, I acknowledge that I am feeling angry. And I take a breath. And then I sit with that for a moment and I welcome it. In any acknowledgement, we also want to welcome any feelings coming up because if we're simply acknowledging and just saying, okay, great, I'm moving on, it's over, it's done. We're not actually saying that it's okay that I felt angry in the first place. So it's really important when we start to acknowledge to also welcome those feelings that, are, that might be unloving at that moment and to say, hey, it's okay. It's okay that I'm feeling this. I acknowledge I'm feeling angry and it's okay. I welcome this. And then I take another deep breath. Whether it's in through your nose, out through your mouth, it doesn't really matter. Just take a few deep breaths to reset your system. Bringing that oxygen in, feeling your lungs fill feeling your body taking in that, that prana, that life energy, and then letting it go with your breath. I like to call it acknowledgement, welcome, breathe, release. So it's a four-step process there. Beautiful. All right, let's get on to the next step, step four. And we're talking about cutting of the cords. What cords are we cutting, Jessica? <laughs> That's a good question, Rena. So cutting of the cords is a practice um, that comes from old Toltec wisdom and peoples that practice recapitulation, which is an exercise uh, in cutting of the cords or energetic cords that we tap in, or Ho'oponopono from the Hawaiian tradition of Huna. Um, again, it's just seeing the people that we might be challenged with in that moment and or people from the past or people who have passed on from this world and seeing any energetic cords again working with visualization and the imagination so when i when i interact with people i see myself intertwining energies 
uh, because that's all we are. We're just energy, all 50 trillion of our cells, right? Always in a constant state of vibration, moving, electromagnetic energy. So as I see us coming together and connecting and, and speaking and sharing ideas, we are intertwining our energies. It's really important at the end of our day to stop and honor those interactions, first of all, honor those people that came into your experience that day to assist you in learning something new or evolving and then to cut those cords and what I mean is I literally imagine in my mind what those where those cords are connecting me in and then I in my mind see them being cut either with scissors or um, a knife or whatever you want to see it could be a machete it doesn't matter just see those cords being cut and see those cords belonging to that person go back into their body and see your cords coming back into your body. I like to see it as lovingly releasing them with their power and me lovingly taking back my power. Mm, very powerful, very, very powerful indeed. We are on step five, mirror work. Um, am I looking in the mirror? Is that what mirror work is? Tell us a little bit about it. Yes, well, we're looking in a mirror right now at each other also because we're all one energy, we're all one being. Yes. So, yeah, mirror work can be um, working with other people and it can also be in the mirror at home or in the car or in the privacy of your um, office at work if you have a moment to close the door. And really, it's, it's talking to ourselves. It's taking a moment and looking deep into our eyes in the mirror, not at the gray hair that might be sticking out of the top of our head or the freckles on our face that we don't like because we were teased when we were kids. It's really looking deep into our eyes, just like if we were with our intimate partner and looking deep into their eyes and to each other's eyes and feeling that connection. And we have other people that we do that with, but we don't often do it with ourselves. And we're usually seeking for that attention outside of us, as we were talking about in our previous calls. And seeing that we don't, it's not necessary for us to look outside, it's really within. The answers, the feelings, everything that's coming up is actually within us. And our body will give us messages as well. So as we're looking in the mirror, we're seeing beyond this space and time, we're looking deep into our eyes and saying, I love you. I love you, Jessica, or I love you, Rena. And I'm really grateful for you and saying all the things that you would say to your partner or that you wish your partner would say to you. That's beautiful. Uh, Louise Hay really recommended mirror work. Um, mm -hmm. When I was sick, I listened to a lot of her uh, interviews and her videos and podcasts and read her books. And um, she was such a goddess of, of I think, healing. And, mm -hmm. and for her, mirror work was the most important thing, you know, first thing in the morning. And I'll be honest with you, Jessica, when I first started, I found it the most bizarre experience, like looking in the mirror mm -hmm. and saying, I love you. It just sounded so, I don't know, hedonistic and just so wrong and it goes to show how the culture we are raised in discourages our appreciation of ourselves and instead encourages us to be hard on ourselves to like beat ourselves down like I'm not good enough I need to do more I need to work harder I need to try harder you know I need to look nicer and it's a lot of like I need to be more and her saying um, or there's another wonderful uh, speaker who says, you know, I'm enough. She, her terminology is I'm enough mm -hmm. and I'm good enough. And I think mirror work is truly one of the most important, important steps to take because I started noticing that when I started doing the mirror work and got over the giggling, um, the <laughs> kind of like, this is so strange. 
it really does empower you for the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. And you treat yourself with a lot more respect um, the rest of the day. So to some extent, I think you're recommending that we start treating ourselves almost as a separate entity and then treating it with love. Absolutely. Which, which is not something that we do. That's, that's just beautiful. Mm. Yes. I love Louise Hay as well. All right. We're going to talk about earthing. Tell us all about earthing. So earthing for me is a form of grounding and it actually scientifically um, has been proven that when we go outside uh, and take off our shoes and socks and put our feet on the grass or in the dirt or in the sand, um, we are actually recharging our systems and resetting our systems back to the frequency of the earth, back to the actual dirt that we come from. It all has uh, different electromagnetic frequencies moving through it, and we are no different. We come from it. So when we actually make an intentional um, moment, we take an intentional moment to go and put our feet in the, on the ground, we are saying, okay, this is the moment for me to reconnect with who I am, where I'm from, where I come from. And as we do that, we are changing the chemical makeup in our body it's scientifically proven uh, through the EMFs that we emit the electromagnetic field and so um, even you can do it on your lunch hour right you can do it in the morning if you don't have time if you're in a rush maybe at your lunch hour when you go outside of your office you can go outside take your shoes off and just go stand on the grass and imagine again like the grounding exercise we talked about earlier imagine yourself with your tree roots connecting you into the ground and taking you deep into the earth into the root system that we all are we're all connected remembering that system and imagining yourself being one with it all and being grounded in this physical presence here in this physical body because this is what we chose to be in. This is the experience that we chose this time around. I believe we're all human beings. We're all spirits having a human experience. Mm -hmm. And the more that we can be aware of that, the more that we can understand that we are here in this vehicle called a human body and be aware of the messages it's giving us as we connect in with the earth or as we choose not to be connected to it, we will be guided as to how best to move forward. That's so beautifully said. And it's, Again, one of the things that I have, um, if, if you are listening to this for the first time, check out Health Boot Camps and check out the blog where I talk about the seven steps to healing. And earthing is, is clearly one of the most important things. It's all about bringing us back into nature. And we are nature. I think we forget that, right, Jessica, sometimes? Absolutely. Um, we seem to think that we're something different and plants are something different and earth is something different and it's not we are made of the exact same composition that everything around us is made above. And so spending time in nature charges us. Actually, there's some science behind that, that we get charged when we're in nature. We physically get charged. So why not get some free charging instead of taking caffeine? Because at this point, you know, Starbucks is the only charging machine we have. <laughs> it's like charging station, three o'clock, Starbucks, right? Yes. So... I always recommend, you know, give Starbucks a break and try, try a new charging station this time. Um, so I hope the rest of you will definitely try earthing. I swear by it. And one of my favorite ways of earthing actually is I'll take my lunch and I will just walk barefoot in the grass and I'll sit barefoot in the grass. I'll actually sit on the ground and it's soak up the sun and it's like a three for one, right? You're getting your vitamin D and you're earthing and you're grounding. 
and you're actually relaxing and eating your lunch instead of kind of racing around in the car. Exactly. So, so give that a try. All right, the last step. It is a very important step. It's the morning ritual. Why is it so important? And then let's do the exercise. So morning ritual uh, is important for me because I like to set the tone for my day. So when I when that alarm clock goes off and I open my eyes, my mind is immediately racing with thoughts and all the laundry list of things that I have to do that day. So I do my best when I wake up to acknowledge those thoughts because they're valid and they're meaningful. And then I also make a conscious effort to set the tone for my day by creating this morning ritual. So morning ritual for me is really important because we wake up with a bunch of thoughts racing through our head from the moment our eyes open. The laundry list of things to do uh, or the bad feelings of something that happened the night before. So it's really important for us to set the tone for the day by changing our thoughts in that moment by creating a time to meditate, by creating a time, even if it's only five minutes, to sit and be quiet with ourselves. So in my room, I have a red meditation chair and I sit in that chair when the alarm goes off and I plant my feet in, I practice grounding first and then I breathe and I focus in on my breath because our breath is our connection to this life. And as I breathe, I breathe light into my body and I imagine it filling every cell of my being. And then I create this safe and sacred space around me. And for me, it looks like a bubble, like the soap bubbles we used to blow in the yard as kids, and that I actually still do as an adult. <laughs> um, I see myself inside one of those soap bubbles. And I really, um, for me, it feels warm and inviting, and it's the safe and sacred space for me to be present in, to be focused within, and allowing everything on the outside of me to be present and in harmony with everything that's happening on the inside. But for that to be the outside, to be the outside, and the focal point to be within that bubble and within that safe space. And as I ground in and as I allow thoughts to come in, I acknowledge them. And so this is part of the morning ritual. I, I start with acknowledging whatever feelings are coming in. And maybe somebody pops in that maybe it would be good for me to cut cords with that day. Okay, great. So then I acknowledge my feelings. I cut some cords with people. And then I sit quietly again. And as I sit quietly, I allow my being to guide me. Meaning not the thoughts in my head. We can acknowledge them and let them go. We can also quiet with them and just observe, right? So it can be a combination of any of the exercises we've talked about in the last six weeks and talking about with ourselves in that moment, what we're wanting to feel and then imagining our day of how we want to feel. Maybe I, I do my meditation and then I have, you know, a moment with my dogs in the backyard with a nice cup of tea and I put my feet on the ground and I connect with the earth and then I come inside and I take a shower and then I prepare myself a nice meal and I sit quietly after I honor my food and say thank you for it first and then I eat it without being rushed. I eat it without looking at my phone and then I go into my office and I create that space again with the bubble and I ground in and I see that as a safe space for clients to come and to enjoy that quiet time within as well and guiding guiding each other, right? And so that morning ritual allows me to imagine my day exactly as I'd like it to be. And then practice being non-attached to the outcome when things don't happen the way you want them to that day. Because they rarely do. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
we can plan all we want, but uh, it's it's uh, the universe always has some wonderful surprises. Yes, and it's our job to take them as they come, instead of with judgment and negativity. Yes, that's so beautiful. You know, there was um, there was a very interesting article in HBR a while back that talked about the uh, what what was one of the top drivers of success for some of the most successful people. Mm-hmm. And it was a morning ritual. And it was uh, not just a morning ritual, it was an early morning ritual. Yes. And they talked about the fact that some of the most successful people wake up at like five in the morning mm-hmm. and dedicate somewhere like, you know, 30 to 45 minutes to meditation, another hour to working out and journaling. Yes. And then they will begin their day. And of course, I attended the Tony Robbins Unleash Your Power Within. And, mm-hmm. you know, I got exhausted just listening to this morning. <laughs> so I was like, I, I'm going to need a nap after, you know, if I did all of that, I'd really need a nap. And he joked about mm-hmm. how, you know, what kept him awake was, of course, the fact that he jumps into some ridiculously frozen pool of water. Yes, I've heard that. As part of a shower. So I think we cannot emphasize enough the importance of a morning ritual. Yes. And being in charge of your day instead of sort of flowing in however willy-nilly it comes, um, because I think that's when the mind takes over and the mind is a monkey. Yes. And and as you said before, journaling is really important. And that's actually how we can manifest things even faster in this physical space. Because when we write things down, we put it into the physical. It's now been taken from our mind, from our thoughts, and it's been put on a physical piece of paper with intention. And then we allow the creation, we allow it to appear. Oh, absolutely. So for those of you who are looking for a health journal, I've, I made one and you can check it out, healthjournal.com with a double L, J-O-U-R-N-A-L-L.com. So you can, or of course it's on health boot camps as well. And, and if you try, there's actually a free 30 day copy that you can download and use. And if you like it, then you can um, get the, the full year one. Jessica, this has been so remarkable. You sharing such brilliant insights and how we can emotionally heal. You know, we didn't talk about this, the importance of emotional healing, there is such a direct connection between our health and our emotions, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. And so really emotional healing, I think, um, precedes physical healing. Would you say absolutely. that that's... And that's, absolutely. Right? And that's where I think sometimes Western medicine, where we're just addressing the physical healing, or not even sometimes addressing the physical healing, but if you look at integrative practices, functional medicine, they are addressing physical healing, but if the emotional healing is not addressed, I feel, especially those people who suffer from gut issues, um, it's a one-on-one connect there when I still feel it. If I've had a rough afternoon and I eat lunch hurriedly, that food is not getting digested and I'm gonna feel that the next day. Absolutely, so, yes. Emotional healing, I think, is just such a cornerstone. So for those of you who've been listening, you know, as we wrap up the seven-part series, I want to urge you to prioritize your emotional well-being. Emotional well-being comes before physical well-being. And these are quick, simple things. That's why we made this into a series. 
these are easy things you can incorporate into your get into your day. You know, this isn't like we're asking you to transform yourself into something completely different. Um, change is hard. It's always funny when you do it the first time or the second time or the 10th time. But I promise you, if you're doing it for the 20th time, it will not be funny. And at some point you go, how was I not doing this all my life? This, this has just been the most important thing. So I urge you to try it. Do it. Don't let your mind, your monkey mind, you know, talk you out of it. Jessica, I want to thank you so much for spreading your your amazing wealth of knowledge, your love, your energy, and of course your insights. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm really enjoying this collaboration. For the rest of you, stay smiling. I'm going to see you on one of these soon. Make sure to subscribe to the Healthier Podcast on iTunes or for SoundCloud. And if you have any questions, you know we're live for you every day, five days a week from noon to one. Check out the link on healthbootcamps.com. I'll see you soon. That's a wrap. Share your love with a five-star review and get show notes at healthbootcamps.com. Connect with us on Health Bootcamps Facebook and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out other great interviews and subscribe to the Get Healthier podcast today.